Welcome to the Bruiser Bear Podcast, Tales of Strength, where we talk about building physical and mental strength and overcoming adversity through focus, discipline, and consistency. Hello. Hi, Khalid. Hey, Kyle. How are you, man? I'm good. Can you hear me? Can you hear me fine? Loud and clear. Can you hear me? Hello, Cal. Can you hear me? Hello. Loud and clear. Okay. Yeah. Loud All right. And clear. Cool. Uh, how are how's things over there in Singapore, man? Uh, I wouldn't say it's uh, so good now. Uh, based on the government, I think we are now into phase one. I don't know whether you you heard about us. Uh, into phase one, we are moving to phase two, but uh, looking at the situation, you know, Singapore, uh, we, are, we have all these uh, migrant workers that live in uh, the dormitories. Yeah, the cases are uh, very inconsistent. So sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, but uh, the number of uh, cases for Singaporeans are just one. You know, right, that is right. zero. Yeah. Over here in Malaysia, we got the CMCO, and in a couple of days, we should be having that lifted, but there's no, there's no confirmation yet, so everybody is just kind of waiting right now. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, let me just um, okay. introduce the. Um, let me just give a little introduction first. Welcome to the Bruiser Bear Podcast, yep. Tales of Strength, where we talk about physical strength, mental fortitude, and overcoming adversity. So, Cal, my man, please introduce yourself and what it is that you do. Yeah, so my name is Cal. You already call me, also known as Perfect Strong, uh, where many athletes also call me by the name of Perfect Strong. Lah. So um, the weight room on gym sometimes can be overwhelming. Lah. So I guide people and athletes in developing their full potential as a coach. So I'm a head coach at uh, U-Box Holland Village. And uh, on my days where I'm not working at U-Box, I'm actually training fighters and uh, other national athletes to their fullest potential. Right, right. From Face Strong, that's your nickname. Perfect strong. That's why they call me. Yeah, because of the beard. <laughs> I'm assuming because of the beard, right? Yeah. yeah I, I used to keep a, uh, a pretty big full beard myself, but I think my beard is not as nice and solid as yours, so I had to trim it down. Mine was too thick. That's why I had to trim it down. It was so hot here in Singapore. I don't know. I think it would be the same in Malaysia too. It's so pretty hot. I think uh, then my partner got me to shave it off. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I have like half naked, you know, without a beard. Exactly, like we're not, we're not like Vikings, you know, like we don't, we're not, we're not in Sweden or Switzerland where it's nice and cold. I wish, I wish sometimes I, I was just, I was just speaking to my. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I live in a cold country. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so um, more so than most other countries in Southeast Asia, I think Singapore has had a pretty fair share of development in regards for the sport of Western boxing, right? AKA pugilism. So while nations like, yep. you know, Thailand and Burma and Philippines, you know, we, they focus strongly on traditional Asian martial arts, right? Like Muay Thai and uh, Thali, I think, I, yeah. I, 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 uh, and all of these martial arts. But the sweet science of boxing kind of gets left behind in those areas. So could you give us a little... A little insight on the boxing scene in Singapore. Like, how did it? How how, how is it doing right now? 
I would say the boxing scene is growing in Singapore, but I think it needs to be more developed. Uh, definitely, we are lack in funding, uh, structured training, and also competition from the sport association. Um, I would say structured training and proper programming should be to be provided. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, what, what do you? Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I, th I think you you were breaking up a little bit. Sorry. Go on. Yeah, so I was saying uh, structured training and uh, pro proper programming should be provided not only before any major games like SEA Games, Youth Olympic Games, but all year round in terms of uh, strength and other physical aspects where the techniques are also concerned. Right, right, definitely. So when, when, you, say, when you say structured training, I guess um, what, what it means as well is that I guess the training, the training infrastructure over there in Singapore is maybe in your opinion, a little bit disheveled, like a little bit decentralized, and you're hoping to see a little bit more structure when it comes to that kind of uh, aspect? Correct. Uh, even for the national gym, even for the national boxing uh, team, they don't even have their own gym. Uh, we used to have our own uh, national boxing uh, centralized training, uh, but then they, they deconstructed to, to build a housing estate around that area where, we, where I used to train boxing uh, in Farrah Park. But it's no longer there anymore. We tried to save it, but yeah, unfortunately, the government rather use that space for housing. Oh, I see. Okay, that's that's kind of a shame. So I guess you could say that the um, the boxing infrastructure for Singapore in the past was maybe a little a little stronger than than how it is now. I I, I guess. I agree. Back then, we had. Uh, we have a lot of boxing coaches who rather be more involved with the amateur team. Uh, then again, you know, I don't want to speak about politics and all, but you know, I wish uh, boxing co the, com the committee would actually come together, you know, uh, boxing coaches where they just sit down and, uh, you know, in the community with the sports association and come up with a solution. Right, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Totally understand, like, Sports, is, and it's kind of a shame too, but like, and I mean, you know, not just talking about Singapore, but like in, anywhere around the world, I think sports mm -hmm. kind of gets integrated, or maybe not integrated, but it's kind of cohesive and in line with sometimes with political movement and political development. So I think they kind of kind of tend to get tangled together along the way sometimes. Like um, I, was, I, I was just talking to... Um, an esports uh, commentator. His name is Nick. He's a Malaysian esports guy, and um, he he was also talking a little bit about how because esports is kind of an up and coming. It isn't a physical sport, but it is considered a, a a sport of some kind, and it's up and coming. The industry is growing throughout Asia, Malaysia, probably even Singapore. But he he was talking about how there's um, something like uh, monopolies that are kind of rising and a little bit of regulation and a little bit of dissatisfaction among the, the players and among the individuals that, that participate inside of the esports gaming, the esports gaming arena. So I think that is quite, quite sad, but it is, it is something that happens. And I guess we need individuals to kind of, I don't know, maybe bring attention, bring to attention weaknesses, maybe, kind of voice their opinion just to make sure things are not yeah. So, All right. Uh, sorry. I agree with you with that. Uh, can you hear me fine? Okay. Loud right, cool. and clear. So, 
they say that boxing is a dying sport, but to me, it looks it looks more like boxing may be easily overshadowed by you know the hottest, newest, sensational sport, you know. But boxing is the yeah, foundation that's constantly acknowledged by combat experts across the board. Um, even even right now, it's a big part of MMA and many other fighting verticals. Like many martial arts professionals have admitted that boxing teaches important elements of basic combat, you know, like distance, footwork, efficient striking and defensive maneuvering. It's kind of like the... Um, I wouldn't say the mother of all of all fighting techniques. Maybe that might be a little pushing it a little bit too far, but I guess it is it is an important part of the foundation of a lot of combat sports. Um, but what's your opinion on that? Would you say that the, that boxing is the mother or the father of all fighting styles, or is that going too far? I read this quote somewhere. Yeah, they said it reads, uh, "Where the boxing is the sport of our father, and the MMA is the sport of our sons." You know, uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I would say also, you know, boxing has become less popular uh, with the sudden arrival of MMA. If you, if you know, with one FC and the UFC coming to Southeast Asia now, uh, but I'm, I'm not ready to say that boxing is down and out. Right. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's, it's part and parcel of the changing tides. Right. You know, history, like things just change, it, it, and it's not a, it's not a bad thing. It isn't a good thing or a bad thing. It's kind of a natural truth to, to you know to everything, right? They're just things will change. And I guess, yep. in a way, boxing is, it is, uh, yeah, I like that quote that you, that you mentioned. What it's, it's, the, it's the sport of our fathers and MMA is the sport of our sons. Uh, yeah, I think yep. that that kind of sums it up pretty nicely as well. Like, boxing was great for the development of the modern combat infrastructure that we have now. But I think it's taken a little bit of a backseat or at least kind of, at least in terms of, you know, mainstream focus, it's taken a bit of a backseat. And then you got MMA yep. coming to the forefront. And, like, I don't want to take anything away from MMA. Like, I, uh, I, I used to do a lot of boxing myself. I was, an, I was an ex-boxer. I moved into MMA for a little while. I got my ass kicked. <laughs> and I, I, that, that was the end of my fighting career. I, I decided that I wanted to move on to other things. But I did spend a good portion of my time um, training boxing, moving on to MMA, not being prepared enough for MMA and realizing that MMA is just, um, it's a very comprehensive and a very extensive combat sport that incorporates, you know, just way too much that I was, I wasn't prepared for it basically. So, uh, you know, all, all accountability goes to me on that, on that end. And it made me realize as well that MMA has to be respected in its own right. Uh, yeah, right. and and like, I think what what I what I kind of like about MMA, especially I kind of like watching the fighters that that incorporate that focus mainly on um, boxing, like Western boxing pugilism, but then they combine it with like ground sports like wrestling or um, Roman Greco or uh, jujitsu, right? And when you see them in the cage yeah. fighting, it's just, it's really awesome. I, I, I like that combination more so than the, um, the combination, the, the, the other combinations, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think, I think, I think I definitely agree with you there. And, and also we we're seeing the rise of one FC over here in Asia as well, which is a pretty inspiring 
um, up and comings. I guess you could say like a competing championship to UFC. UFC used to be around for a long time, and then one FC came up, and it's kind of taking the fighting world by storm. And it's quite interesting to see um, what they're what they're doing. Is is one FC big there in Singapore? One FC is actually a big thing in Singapore. You can come to the to the stadium and you get a you can get a full house though. I would say it's big because uh, one FC is also uh, hiring some fighters from the UFC, like uh, Nate Softcut. You know, no, who's that? Nate Sage Sage Northcut. Sorry, Sage. And one FC that actually there's a good marketing. You know, there's a good marketing still. Uh, I mean. To have them here in the one FC, so one FC here is a big thing, uh, and uh, I would say MMA here is quite, it's pretty strong, it's pretty strong rather than boxing. Uh, I would say more the boxing is, it's less popular now here. The boxing is more or less popular than, than uh, than the rival uh, of uh, of MMA. Right. Yeah. 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 I've I've heard about this as well. Where. One FC, you know, I mean, don't quote me, but like one one FC, one of the strategies that they focused on, like I think the the very distinct differentiation in terms of like branding and um, uh, a message messaging that they have compared to One FC, uh, sorry, UFC, is that is the um, the kind of fighters that they that they that they get on board, like you know, the Western the Western fighting landscape focuses a lot on i mean you know i guess in a way they, they might they may focus a lot on drama right and and sometimes it can get pretty personal and and sometimes they i guess you could even say that they let it get personal because it kind of sells tickets um you know it creates drama between two fighters you know fighters insult their moms insult each other's wives insult each other yeah, yeah. it's got a drama but one fc went and took that that whole thing and they turned it upside down and um, the founder of one fc um actually realized that honor integrity and respect were qualities that a lot of southeast asian fighters and fighting styles incorporated into their core value so yeah right, so he built one fc based on that and then i think like you like you said i think he scouted and, and just watched um, UFC fighters and other MMA fighters from the West that were doing as well but didn't have all that drama on them. Like they were kind of, they had honor, they had integrity, they were humble, they were quiet. So I think he kind of like pulled them towards 1FC and he built this empire that's kind of as big, people say arguably getting bigger than, than UFC, but it's very different from UFC because of that main component, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Anyway, coming back to Singapore's boxing community, um, one question that I have for you is: um, How does how does Singapore's boxing community compare to other parts of the world, particularly in Southeast Asia and the West? We definitely are working on to the women boxing in Singapore. Actually, the uh, the women boxing. Uh, it's, they are actually making, uh, I know a friend uh, by, by the name of Leona Hui. She's actually trying to bring the woman boxing in Singapore. Uh, she's actually looking for women boxers. You know, uh, having that mentality as a woman, always being weak. You know, so I feel the woman, I would talk more about the woman rather than a man because it's, it's a thing here already for men uh, to be boxing. But I would, I would say more about women. 
I would say the woman now um, is now increasing uh, with the help Any other amateur boxers like Sabrina. So they are coming together, you know, they are, they are, they are gathering all these women boxers, you know, to come and spar in a, in a friendly sparring manner, you know, in a friendly sparring manner and uh, also where they, they will come together and also go to, um, if I'm not wrong, the other day, they, they all gathered together and uh, went to Ireland, if I'm not wrong, to have this uh, women uh, boxing training together. So I would say the, the community definitely is growing in Singapore. We have a lot of uh, interest here and there, but... Uh, you know, due to the COVID, uh, a lot of uh, I was working with an organization back then. People are more interested to watch the women boxing rather than the men boxing. Uh, women boxing tend to get more crowd rather than the men uh, because, for some apparent reason, I think I think it's more interesting to see a woman in the ring. You know, you won't you won't have a lot of bouts for women fighters, but a lot of bouts for men. So and uh, how these women are, uh, you know, getting their courage to be in the ring, you know, despite uh, being labeled as weak all the time. So for me, definitely, um, the women community is uh, growing uh, in boxing. For men, it's always growing. Definitely, there's always uh, interest in boxing for men because of also, you know. Uh, of this MMA where boxing is also required in MMA. Um, that's about it for me, for the for the community, the boxing community in Singapore. More more focused on the women now. It's more it's more focused. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's pretty that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So with the women boxing division is 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 in greater focus now compared to men boxing and i guess like you say it is it is probably because it's a source of empowerment for for women and we we live in an era right now where women empowerment is a pretty prominent aspect to you know our society and and, and women um it, i mean our society wants to kind of make it clear that 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 women can be as empowered as powerful as as great um in a lot of different things uh yeah correct maybe, maybe i guess i guess i guess you might say that women and men are intrinsically different in a lot of ways especially when it comes to biologically different but i think throughout history we have I mean, there's a possibility that throughout history we have underestimated women's capabilities. And this era, one good thing that we can see about this era is that uh, women are being, being brought to the forefront now and they are showing their capabilities. And it's a good thing. And I think, I guess, um, you know, referring to your insight, I guess it, it is a pretty inspiring thing to see that Singapore is a central platform. Is providing a central platform for women to showcase their empowerment through, through boxing, fighting, and also another thing that uh, I guess another thing that I can bring up is the white collar boxing. Right, I think Singapore is pretty um, pretty big with the white collar boxing. I wouldn't say the white collar. I would say more to professional box. Professional so boxing, boxing probably. Have died. Yeah, uh, the white collar boxing may have died down, but I would say professional boxing we have. 
we have a lot of uh, local champions here like Muhammad Ridwan, uh, Hamza Farouk that I worked with, and uh, there are a few other upcoming boxers now. Because uh, because of the infrastructure of boxing in amateur, people tend to look into to just jump into the professional boxing. Uh, we have a lot of uh, organizations, Asia promotions, and also fight promotion. We also bring in uh, other boxers from Southeast Asia, like from Indonesia, Thailand, to 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 bring the fights up here in Singapore. So I would say more to professional boxing rather than a white collar. Right, right. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard of Ridwan as well. He's pretty. He's a pretty big, up and coming champion, right? For for Singapore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay, that's pretty interesting. When I, because I, I, I have some family in Singapore, and I was staying in Singapore for a little while, but that was a couple of years ago. And I saw the, um, I used to watch the white co white collar boxing. It was a pretty small gig, but it was aired on on television, I think, and and, and on on YouTube and stuff like that. It was pretty interesting to see uh, working white collar like, you know, executives get in the ring and fight. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. So anyway, so I, like, as I mentioned before, I've had some experience being a boxer in the past and I've had mm -hmm. incredible coaches who guided me throughout. Um, and, you know, you're a coach and I understand that, that being a coach includes various aspects of training and preparation, um, such as uh, observing your fighter's natural style honing in on the kind of style that your fighter is, um, that your fighter is uh, uh, a natural at, and, you know, kind of like improving on that style. Like uh, for me, it was because I'm, I'm kind of a small dude, like I'm, sh I'm short, so like uh, my coach, my coach uh, 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 made me focus on infighting a little bit more maybe uh, teaching me a little bit about the peekaboo style of fighting, like Mike Mason, right? And all of these things, and teaching me how to deal with out, outside fighters and taller fighters, fighters that have longer limbs than me. So uh, uh, coaching is a pretty complex and a pretty, I guess you could say, challenging task. Um, but from your own experience, what's it, what's it like being a boxing coach? What are the ups and downs? Uh, There's something I would like to share a lot. Uh, that people don't know about being a, not just a, being a boxing coach, uh, more to a coach, I would say. Um, so as you know, boxing is science. You just don't walk into a gym and just start punching the back or the pads, right? Right, definitely. Coach, uh, athletes are just born with uh, differences in uh, physical ability. Then you also see a big difference in their skills. Like like you, I mean, you can be short, but you can be fast or sometimes, you know, being short also, you, you pack with a lot of power. So that's what I see as a, as, a, as a coach also. So that's the coach influence at work. Um, also being a coach, I, I, I would like to also say you get to wear shorts to work in upstate. <laughs> so that's one of the many perks. Uh, definitely, um, this job is also very physically and mentally driven. Uh, because uh, back then, uh, when I was working in Pamza Farouk, I was actually a strength and conditioning coach. I was preparing him. I was... Uh, I was preparing him for his. I started off with him when he had no belt until he had the the belt with him that he has right now, uh, WBC Asia belt. So uh, programming is not easy. People think programming is just something you just look on into Google and just type it out. So there's 
for me, there, there's a type of uh, training cycles that have to be implemented when it comes to programming. Uh, so it takes a lot of time and also it takes a lot of, uh, a lot, most of my family time actually, because during training camp, family balance does not even exist at all. Right, right, yeah. And, and... Yeah, Hello, I'm saying, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking, I, I was just, you know, going back to time where, where I spent many hours actually in the gym. You know, I was just reflecting everything was, uh, you know, I had to do the best I can, you know, to make amends during the weekends, because uh, that's the only time I don't work as much, uh, but not during the training camp. When the training camp, we just work. I don't know, I just come to work at 7 and I can finish at 10 p.m. or 11. By the time we come, everybody's asleep. I mean, that, that's the realities of coaching. Uh. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's certainly not for everyone. So that's one of the things if you look into, if you want to become a coach. Right, right, definitely. All these, these are all the sacrifices you have to look into. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry, you, you you're breaking up a little bit. But can, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think because maybe we we are so far away, so I think maybe the network is a little bit. I've had some audio trouble in the past, so I'm a little bit paranoid about the audio. I I hope I hope this turns out all right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, apologies for that. No yeah. worries. So it sounds like you you sacrifice a lot of time and effort to to be to be the best coach that you can be. And I think, I, you know, I can respect that. I admire that. And and it sounds also like you know your stuff, right? Uh, when it comes to the technical aspect of the sweet science. Um, and there are there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to teach. And there's a lot to learn as well when it comes to pugilism, Western Western boxing. It, it really is a scientific, um, uh, it really is a scientific vertical that, that people kind of underestimate sometimes where right? people that don't know much about boxing, all they see is two guys hitting each other in the face in the ring. Yeah. Really, right. Yeah. It really is a lot, lot more. And, and you, it sounds like you really know your stuff. Like, and that's what it means to be a coach, I guess. Like I myself have taught people how to box um, as far as basics and, you know, just, you know, the normal standard boxing you know, basics goes. I like I've I've taught people that, but I am nowhere near as qualified to really coach professional fighters like you yourself, like you have done, and uh, things like that. So I think it really it it really needs to be said that the amount of the amount of effort and time that goes into becoming a professional coach like yourself, it really is um, quite admirable. So. Uh, yeah, that has to be that. So let, let's let's move on and talk about training specifics. So, what kind of training routines do you usually implement? Like back in my day, we had circuits circuit cycles that began with like warm ups and rope work, you know, jumping rope, and then we do punching drills, um, maybe some shadow boxing, and then we'd move on to to bag work, pad work. And then we'd get into the ring and maybe do a little bit of sparring. So what kind of cycles did you incorporate for the most part? You know, and um, what, what kind of things did you do to you know, improve strength and agility and you know, things like dexterity and speed? Uh, so I would say the, the 
the training uh, that I designed is to maximize results through like combining boxing with function and a very strength program. I mean, they are formulated to progress to all these sport-specific training cycles to get in fighting shape, especially in the 12-round championship round. Uh, the workouts that I designed simulate the conditioning, endurance, and physical demands expected in the fight. So it also stimulates both the anaerobic and aerobic energy system to, to drive them, uh, to drive complete body results and also build a lot of stamina. The thing I work with them, uh, say I focus a lot on uh, biometric training, which involves the body weight uh, to enhance the, the human neuromuscular function, also to improve the performance of the, the fighters. So it's a training modality which I often require the fighters to jump hop or bound and also skip so which also requires these uh, fighters to produce high level of force during fast movement in a very short time frame so i make them sprint you know there are days where i make them sprint uh, a lot of speed i would say i, I would love all my fighters to be explosive so i usually train them to be explosive like uh, many pakiao so because of their their structure of the They are lacking of this. Most of my fighters are explosive, I would say. Proud to say they're all explosive now. I mean, I don't know now because I don't train, I don't train uh, the fighters anymore there. So when I was there, uh, we work a lot of this, a lot of explosive uh, workout, like, you know, uh, push-ups. I try not to use so much of weights. Uh, I try to use more of the body weight because for me, my belief is if, you, yeah, if you're able to push your own body weight, you are, you are strong. You know, you don't have to be lifting you know, 100 kilos to show that you're strong. If, because people, I, I've seen many athletes actually, you know, they can be lifting, they lift, you know, 100 kilos, you know, but they can't even do a push-up. That is sad. That's the reality of these uh, athletes that I've been working with. Especially, I'm not going to mention where, but I've worked with a lot of national uh, of exercise, which is your body weight. So I always focus a lot on body weight before I move on into lifting weights, uh, working on strength especially. So that's the basic of strength, I would say, with body weight. You cannot go far with body weights. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think that, that that's something that I wanted to cover as well. Because over here at Bruiser Bear, we do put a heavy emphasis on body weight and calisthenics training. And the next question I had for you was, for the aspect of strength, right? Because the aspect of strength is present in boxing. Mm -hmm. And you can see it with Mike Tyson, for example, right? He was a notorious mm -hmm. mark in history. He was a brutal, heavy, heavyweight fighter with a powerful punch. And I guess you could say that a lot of that was his natural ability, but he also did develop that strength to knock out opponents that were twice his size and, and things like that. But and also strong heavy hitters are often favored by the public's eye. But um, muscle, muscle building is, like you, mentioned, like you mentioned, right? Like it's a little bit more complicated in boxing. I remember my, my coach, he discouraged me from uh, weightlifting because back then I, I, I did a little bit of quite a, quite a bit of weightlifting. I used dumbbells, barbells. I saw that I was packing on muscle. And he was trying to get me to compete in the... Um, uh, flyweight, uh, I think flyweight division, and he told me, "Stop, no more, um, no more weights." <laughs> and I told him, "Why?" He said, "Because if you if you if you use um, if you use weights, 
uh, your um, your mobility, your agility, your dexterity uh, is going to suffer. And like with your weight division, because you're a really small dude, your weight division requires speed as like a prominent aspect. So I had to stop weightlifting. But he did allow me to do pull-ups and push-ups. And I always found that interesting. And now, um, until today, I, I, I've given up weights and it's just a personal preference i have nothing against the weight in particular mm-hmm. particular but as a personal preference and also because of a few degrees that i that i sustain i i focus only on calisthenics and i think brought up a lot of good points there about calisthenics so i guess it is true that muscle building is encouraged and body weight and calisthenics training is involved uh it, in boxing a lot yeah definitely i mean i grew up as a i was a fat kid and uh definitely i grew up uh, doing a lot of powerlifting so actually powerlifting helped me a lot with uh, weight loss uh then again you know i have this idea of becoming a strength coach as i as i study you know as i learn more and i study more and i go for courses to understand about strength Every time when it comes to strength, you just go back to body weight and uh, calisthenic. You just can't go far away from it. It's just the basic. Even when I was working for the National Youth Sports Institute, yeah, you're just working onto your body weight. There's no, there's no weight lifting at all. You're actually just lifting your own body weight. You know, that's just the basic. You can't go far from basic. Even for for boxes where. I try to break this old school mentality where, you know, they think lifting weights make you like Arnold or Ronnie Coleman, which is wrong. You know, so there are many types, they are not um, educated in a way where there are many types of training when it comes to it, like ballistic training. You know, so ballistic training and biometric training is not far, it's just you're adding weights and jumping with weights. You know, all these are explosive. Ex- try to as an SNC coach and also a boxing coach, I try to break this uh, this old school mentality where you know weights slow you down, which which is not true actually. You know, it's been proven that uh, with with the type of training that you involved with, that you design also actually plays a part. No, it's not about doing your bicep curls and uh, tricep extensions all the time. And also, you know, there's a little bit of bodybuilding also in uh, in in boxing, which which I to. I have to also disagree, you know, with your coach also. So all these are all important because in bodybuilding also, you 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 have this hypertrophy where you're also working on endurance. So these are the type of, uh, I try to, I try to make my training as hybrid as I can. You know, I try not to make it so boring. So I'll try, okay, like, we'll, we'll really like for boxing, you know, I don't make my fighters keep, I make them run. I'll make them run for five kilometers where they have to clock a certain period of time. So during different type of phases, as we are closing to the fight night, their timing must decrease. So at least I know they are into a fight shape where their stamina are already there. So all where where also in boxing, people think, you know, statics, you to start off with static stretching, which is wrong also. When you're doing static stretching, you're supposed to be doing, uh, I mean, they are doing not, uh, they are doing a lot of post-static stretching, where they're just standing and not moving. There's no movement. How are you going to prime your muscles for that particular spot if you're not moving? 
because boxing requires a lot of movement. So if you're just standing and just stretching your hamstring while standing, then, then that's going to be, you're asking for trouble or you're asking for injury to, to happen. So these are trying to, to educate other young coaches to, to actually read up, you know, uh, that boxing may be an old school sport, yes, but, you know, there's a science behind it is that, you know, that we are always, we are always, um, we are always moving forward. So when it comes to training, your training has to change. That's the thing. That's what I did with Hamza. You know, I made him, I, I made him trust me and, and we work on it. And, and today he's the, he's the champion of where he is today. I mean, I'm not taking any credit for, for, for his hard work, but definitely I would say I would, uh, is the training do, do play a part with all these uh, tests that I, I, I made them do. So then again, I would say uh, body weight is always I focus. Always body weights and calisthenic. Yeah, who answer your question? Yeah, you answered it perfectly. I think um, very well said. And and um, yeah, I think I think you you probably have a much more comprehensive and scientific understanding of how strength training and um, muscle building. Um, correlates with fighting and combat sports, and I um, and it's true what you said, where um, strength strength really is quite subjective, especially when it comes to combat sports. Like uh, I don't know if you've seen a lot of these memes and jokes out there. I guess where it's like um, some of the most vicious, most dangerous fighters uh, in combat sport history. They look like nerds, you know what I mean? Like in terms of physique and stuff, like they don't really have that that intimidating physique that you know bodybuilders or aesthetic aesthetic body, um, um, aesthetic trainers and stuff like that. They, they 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 they're small dudes, right? I think um, Aoki is that his name? Aoki is 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 one is one guy in MMA that he looks like he's a Japanese guy and he he looks like a nerd, but he's like a He's one of the top top fighters, and he's really, really good at jujitsu. So, and 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 you can bet that these guys incorporate mostly calisthenics and body weight workouts to hone their strength just enough, just sufficient enough to, to be able to choke you out or to you know your arm. So they are dangerous guys, but but do they look as intimidating as somebody who spends you know twenty hours lifting and stuff. They don't, right? So I guess it really does boil down to personal preference. I think combat, combat sports enthusiasts and fighters have a different motive, right? They don't care as much about aesthetics as, um, you know, bodybuilders and gym goers do. And I guess, you know, I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but I guess I'm just saying that there are personal preferences. Fighters train to fight, right? They, they, they train to be dangerous and stay dangerous and to knock you out right. or to choke you out. That's their main goal, right? So that's something that should be said as well. So I guess with that, we can, we can talk a little bit about the mental attributes. Apart from the physical aspects of fighting or training and physical fitness, what kind of mental attributes do you think make a good... Um, warrior right because we're talking about warriors here we're talking about the warrior the warrior mindset 
And as a coach, um, in your opinion, what kind of mindset do you strive to develop and build in your fighters before you consider them combat ready, warrior ready? That I would always say mental toughness. I was that's one thing that is something you're born with, and uh, and I also strongly believe that mental toughness is something that we all can learn. We all can learn along the journey, because being a fighter is not easy. It's not you know it's not it's not like you're gonna tell a coach okay I want to fight today and tomorrow you go inside the ring. It takes a lot of guts to be in the ring, because being in the ring. If you're gonna compete with someone who has tennis experience and getting that one jab to your face, man, you're gonna hurt. So most people, being a fighter, they will always fail because they always give in to temptations. You know, uh, with the rise of Instagram and uh, Facebook, you know, people just want to be famous, just like that. So for me, that's one thing I always see in uh, these all these young athletes where. They just fail because they give in to temptation or they just give up to challenges way too quickly. Boxing is an old school sport. Physical aspect uh, that is required in boxing. Where these young fighters, they don't see it. You know, they just want, they don't understand how to work hard or even to contribute more into in their training. Uh, they just want to think about their returns. All the things about success, fast shortcut to success. That's what I see as a coach. Um, so I always build on mental toughness where I would try to always break my fighters, uh, and they must not show any sign of weakness, uh, Because if you are put in the ring, if you are getting jabbed, I make sure you. I want you to jab your your opponent two, three times until he. I always do that to all my fighters. I'll try to break them uh, outside of the ring and uh, work on to the mental aspect of the, of, the, of the fight game. They actually think of a champion to make them think like a champion before they even win the fight. Because if, if you're going to think of losing, then you already lost the fight. So I always make them think, uh, I and another boxing coach called uh, Shakir Farouk, we actually work uh, side by side, uh, you know. Uh, so Shakir Farouk teach me a lot of things on this mental aspect where you have to choose your words wisely with these fighters because all these words can actually impact on the fighters. You know, if you're gonna compare this, uh, I would say we will be negative, a little bit negative for them. So we, we try to use positive words, you know, even though we are trying to break them, we try to be positive about certain things uh, where we also will push them. Then also, uh, consistency, the power of consistency is success doesn't come in a day or two. The warriors must also understand the power of consistency. Uh, they must always take tiny action continuously and also focus on their progress. Again and again, time and time, you know, these young athletes, all these rising athletes, they don't, they don't see the need of consistency. So they come into the gym on Monday and then they'll be back to the gym on Friday. You know, so these are these are all the things that that I look into into a fighter before they are, they are before I call them a warrior. Actually, I, I have a coach that call us a war they call us warriors. Uh, he's actually the vice president of uh, Singapore Amateur Boxing Association. I will always give him uh, the title of father of boxing because he made me fell in love with boxing. Uh, he's the one that call us warriors uh, because uh, he always he always for him 
consistency is everything. You know, if he, he wants you to be in a gym every day, up and running, always training, you know, and that, and uh, he sees effort. So these are the things that, that is lacking uh, among all these young athletes. And also, this is a habit they must build consciously. Right. Perfectly said. I think you've said everything that needs to be said about that. Um, developing a warrior mindset, consistency is a prominent aspect, developing good habits and creating a mindset that is both positive but also calculative, mm -hmm. uh, which basically leads to strength. Very well, very, very, very well said. So, Cal, um, what are your future plans, man? What do you, what do you have in store for yourself? Uh, buy a house, settle down with my partner and our kids. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's to shape the, uh, the future of coaching. That's the main goal, is to shape the future of coaching. Um, for me, uh, coaching has been, has been my life. I've been coaching for, for so many years now. Uh, definitely. I know it's far out, but I also want to own my own uh, sports performance facility one day. It's ambitious, but I think if I put my heart in it, I know I can. Because absolutely, absolutely nothing is too big. That's, that's the future plan. Right. Thanks a lot, Cal, for for um, for coming on. And I apologize, yeah, if the if the audio quality is not is not as great as I expected. Um, we'll see how it turns out. But thanks so much for coming on and giving us insights on uh, Singapore's boxing community. And I wish you well. I, I wish you, you luck, you and your partner. And uh, yeah, I, I hope to have you on again too. Maybe, you know, down the line. Oh, we love to. All right. Thanks so much, Cal. My pleasure, Khalid. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Tales of Strength. Stay tuned for more.